Welcome to the Growing Home Podcast, where we hope to inspire you to lead a life of slow living, nourishing food, family culture, homemaking, and homesteading. This is where we cultivate new skills and fortify our joy alongside you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Growing Home Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Lauren, and I'm here with Evan. Hello. (laughs) Today, we're going to be doing another food episode, but in a slightly different way. We did one in season one, um, kind of talking about our food philosophy and how we eat, which honestly needs to be updated. (laughs) Um, But uh, today, I got a couple questions um, we got a couple questions on Instagram when we asked what we people were wanting to hear from us on the podcast and people want to hear meal ideas. They want to hear kid-friendly meal ideas, kid-friendly snack ideas. Um, they want to hear a, a little bit about intermittent fasting, which I'm going to talk about at the end, and how we create grocery lists, meal planning, meal prepping, all the things. Sounds good. Let's dive in. We got a lot okay. of food experience we do okay we're gonna go straight in so do we meal prep do you meal prep Evan I do um not all the time it's like one of those season things we talk about all the time the season yep I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that there are seasons when I'm on seasons when I'm off seasons when I have no interest in it you know like if I'm in a particularly romantic cooking um era usually happens in the fall I don't want to meal prep anything. Every meal is like a special delight that I want to make time for and I'm dancing and listening to music and stuff. And then there are weeks where I'm like, wow, I'm looking at the schedule for this upcoming week and it's going to be a doozy. So I want to set myself up for as many meals as I can, Um, especially living out in the country. It's really encouraged me that, you know, if I'm really tired at the end of a work day and Mason is too and neither one of us wants to cook, there's no just like driving down the street to get a burger. (laughs) There's none of that. So I am um, getting better at that since we're out here. So uh, right now I'm meal prepping and I'm doing, let's see, like at the beginning, well, usually during the weekend, I'm for the next week making two breakfast items, two lunches, two dinners, two like snacks or dessert kind of a thing, like little, um, for example, dates stuffed with goat cheese with bee pollen on top, you know, those kinds of things. And that's been working pretty well. Yeah, it's like a good flow to where other random snacks fill in the gaps. If I have milk for lunch one day, there's not a bunch of extra food left over. Yeah. What about you? Are you meal prepping right now? So I've never really been a meal prepper. I think I've said this in a previous episode that I want to do more of it, which may happen at some point. But right now, all I'm like, that's not, that doesn't tend to be how I function naturally I think I will focus on it a lot for like a a next postpartum if I have another baby like I'm gonna be so proud like I'm (laughs) planning it um I'm not pregnant um (laughs) I feel like I have to say that that right now I don't want to be but I'm thinking about it I'm starting to think about it um but not right now so the only thing I meal prep are breakfast um for our on the go days and that just look for me is every week I pretty much make one or two batches of egg muffins that look maybe somewhat different actually these are enough these are a really good snack too for kids if I just need to take something on the go so I guess I'm giving a snack idea or a breakfast idea right now basically what I do is I have little paper muffin tins I don't know what you'd call those muffin Uh, cups I don't know um and then I put them in you know a 12 
it's like six and six. So 12 muffins. I do 12 or 13 eggs, kind of depending what my other things are. And then I just put whatever I want in there. So a lot of time that's like chicken sausage diced up uh, with, you know, maybe arugula or lettuce or, and then I'll pour the eggs on and then cheese, you know, that's kind of just like a basic, you can do it really however you want. And then I used to cook them for about 20 minutes on 350. Now I do 15 minutes on 350. So that way they're almost underdone. And then when I heat them back up in the oven, they're just like perfectly done and they're not overdone. So though I meal prep those every week, I don't have a certain day that I do it because as you guys know, Trevor's work schedule is always changing. So that's, that's kind of different because I'm, there's no day of the week that these things are happening. It's whenever like, we're kind of in this flow of like week, weekend days, like all these random things. But I always like to have those on hand for the, the, the time that we use them every week is always on church mornings. Cause I'm not our church. It doesn't start super early, but we leave the house around nine 30 and it's just easier for me getting everyone ready, getting all the church, like the chores done and everything to not have to make breakfast so then I just you can bake them right from frozen I just put them right in the oven I put them for I honestly don't even time it I just put it for 350 and then I just peek and see when they're nice and warm and done so that's the only thing that I consistently meal prep and then I guess there's other things that I meal prep in the sense of sauces like I'll often do a mayo or a ranch Mm -hmm. um but that just kind of happens when it happens for a meal and then I have extra in the fridge that's typically what's happening for me you stay on that. You always have sauce. I off, I do often have sauce. <laughs> I love my sauce. You're saucy. <laughs> she yeah. has me on those egg muffins. We do those too now. Yeah. Yeah. They're the easiest to go because I don't always, I don't want to do really like oatmeal and fast things. I don't, it's just not how we eat yeah. breakfast. So yeah. before church, we often have um, a bagel with cream cheese and bacon or sausage and egg on top of the, the bagel. Um, but if we're not, then we do those muffins or like a big thing of protein chocolate milk or something and just <laughs> make it through. Yeah. Um, but we, I love those egg muffins. I found I'm, I'm like trying to get into chicken sausage, but I'm so much more into beef sausage. So I've been using those yeah. like Teton ones. Oh yeah. I like those ones. Okay. And like bell peppers and stuff. And I'm, I'm liking that right now. And um, spinach like you do. Yeah. Yeah, love a good love a good green in there, and the kids usually are just like. I mean, Bloom doesn't say any. Jasper actually said something about the greens the other day. I was like, "You've never said anything before. You've just eaten them." He's like, "You didn't notice them." I'm like, "He's like, I don't want this part." I'm like, "Oh, it's salad. You like? You usually like salad? Like cooked salad? Just eat it. Just dip it in the ketchup." Um, okay. Do we meal plan? If so, how? Okay, only when I'm meal prepping. Otherwise, okay. no, um, unless I just, you know, we all have those kind of ingredients we like to yeah. keep in stock and in flow. Mine can be somewhat seasonal. Um, sometimes I ignore that altogether. Like last week, well, I was cooking for a postpartum mama. So I made like a ginger beet soup that is so out of season, but it's, it was good. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I keep certain ingredients in flow. And sometimes because we live far, I'll go ahead and think about what am I craving this week? And I'll ask Mason if he wants anything particular. I don't know why I do that because he literally says the same thing every time. Whatever you want, babe. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, I just think, hmm, what am I craving this week? And I'll keep that in mind a little bit. That's the extent to which I usually meal plan unless I am meal prepping. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. How about you? Again, I'm not usually a meal planner, 
although the past few weeks I have been meal planning and the the reason is because <laughs> Evan knows I was getting into such a food rut because I I may go into this in another podcast, but I've been having some pretty major blood sugar issues and insulin issues and all the things I was, you guys know, I was probably know I was vegan for four and a half years. And then I basically did like more meat-based pro-metabolic style for, I guess, about four and a half years. Yeah. Four years, four years. Um, and including both my pregnancies and, I've been having some insulin issues and so a lot of my my uh go-to recipes that I w- have been making for the last four years are not working for me anymore so then I I was shifting ingredients I'm trading out my rice for cauliflower rice and now I was like okay well now I'm just making the same four meals on repeat and I'm bored and I don't want to eat this anymore so <laughs> so the one you know because you get you get to know your meals and then you don't I never use recipes. I hate recipes. Mm -hmm. And you just make them, you know, maybe you have 10, 15 or however many it is that you just kind of rotate through. And that's great. I that's usually what I like doing. So I know my grocery list and maybe I'll do something different every now and then, but that's how I was doing it. You know, where I just have these certain meals that I really like to make and I'm just getting my, getting all the ingredients. And then I just, I just go with whatever I'm feeling that day. But now that I'm having to be conscious of trying new recipes that I am not used to then I need to be aware of what yeah. I'm buying because I'm not it's maybe not necessarily what I'm always buying so right now I am meal planning and what I'm doing is I'm going on a couple blogs that I like and I'm finding some of the recipes and I'm just skimming through them and then I'm just making it my own way yes. so I'm not like making everything on I'm not looking at any of the measurements I'm not doing every single ingredient like one of the recipes called for a pineapple salsa. I don't really like that. I made a pico de gallo instead. Um, you know, just kind of getting ideas uh, from these things. And then the, my next one is, if so, how do we create, or, or actually the next one is just how do we create grocery lists? So since I've been meal planning, what I'm doing is I'm doing five dinners. Well, you guys, I'll talk about it in a sec, but we do a lunch dinner combo because I intermittent fast. And so it's like one, five main meals essentially. And usually there's leftovers, especially if it's like a soup or a bigger item. So five is plenty for the week. Usually, actually, usually it's more than enough. And then usually we eat out once a week too. So that totally covers like our whole week. And that usually gives me more than enough to send with Trevor to work if he wants that. He doesn't always, he works at a restaurant so he can get steak. He actually has, he has, they make like really cool special Trevor things, um, healthy things for him. Mm-hmm. That's so sweet. So I know. So I, and I was going to just quickly say my, my meal planned meals for this week, because I think that that could potentially give people a good idea. So a couple, I'll say which ones I've done before and which one I haven't. Shrimp tacos with jalapeno cilantro cream sauce. I did that for the first time last week. Loved it. It was a hit with the kids too. My family was in town and I made that for them and they loved it. So I'm making that again. Trevor loved it um taco chicken and veggie soup I'm actually making that today that's currently in my uh stock my pot and soups are not super appropriate necessarily for the summer but I just make them a little bit more like fresh I add some lime some <laughs> lemon and suddenly it feels summery um a new thing that I'm trying this week is white chicken chili burrito bowls mm. um another kind of new thing which is just a variation of a salad that I often do is a greek salad with steak 
And then I'm going to make a chicken cob salad with avocado ranch, which I've made before with, and I'm going to bake chicken. So that's my kind of meal plan for the week. This week thought that could be made potentially useful for people. And then how I create grocery lists based on that is I'll just, I, I, in, I, in my phone, I have a note. This is getting really practical. I have my meals listed out. Then I put my groceries that I'm going to buy at Costco. I go to Costco once a month and I put my groceries that I'm going to buy at Whole Foods or HEB, which I usually go three ish four times a month to those well usually it was only like two but now that I'm buying a lot more produce and it's summer I'm having to go more so I write you know the things I need for my recipes in either of those two categories and then there's just like you said other things staples that I like to just keep on hand regardless of my you know recipes or or what I'm making for breakfast or um usually me and the kids during this summer season we have a smoothie every day so That's kind of how my grocery list goes. Do you want to talk about how you go about making your grocery list? Sure. Yeah. And, and, uh, I was going to say some, like there are the, yeah, the seasonal rotational things, like for instance, all summer, pretty much on most given weeks, I have either a tuna salad or a chicken salad made, and that's real easy to throw into a sandwich or eat with crackers or lettuce wraps or whatever. Yeah. We love that. We never get tired of it. Neither of us. So it's the perfect thing. And you can make so many different kinds. Like I've been really into the Waldorf chicken salad that my mother-in-law makes. So I've just been copying that one. And then I do a tuna salad like my mom made when I was a kid. And um, I also usually have a fruit salad. And so that was a good idea to read your meal prep. So I'm going to read my meal prep from the week before last. So I had for breakfast, parfaits and the protein muffins. Lunch, spring chicken soup with bone broth. And then I made like a a hash with apples and beef, um, which is a little out of season, but and then dinner, masamon curry with rice. And I usually cook the rice in bone broth. And then barbecue beef chicken bowls. Um, and then I had snacks, d- southern deviled eggs, and chia pudding with collagen. And so something I like to do with my grocery lists and my meal prepping or planning for the week is think about how one ingredient can span across a few different meals. Mm-hmm. So like bell peppers for the curry could also be good in um, the har- the hash or... Um, the muffins, the protein muffins, that kind of thing. Fruit for the parfaits also works for the chia pudding and, and a fruit salad. Um, so I could just prep a big fruit salad and then top of the parfaits and chia pudding with that and have it on the side too. Um, so I like to think about that kind of stuff. That's really helpful for my meal planning. And something I do is a condiment check. Um, like do I have enough mustard on hand and ketchup and whatever else like that for easy, quick things? But I, I don't really do that lately because now I've just kept in a back pantry. If you have the room, it's so helpful to just stock up with all kinds of basics. Yeah. So I almost never have to worry about those things, coconut amitos, all that kind of stuff. And um, that frees me up to just kind of sometimes I walk into a store with no list at all. I do that really often, actually. I know I have my basics covered, all my like ingredients for building a recipe. So then I usually just need meat or produce and it becomes pretty intuitive at that point. But I do make a list where I just think about, okay, I look at the recipes I want to make for that week. And I just think about what I know I'm going to put in them. And sometimes I look at recipes, sometimes I don't. And then I just make a short list of those things. And I go to Costco and Whole Foods at the same time because they're next to each other. I'm going there today, Evan, on a Saturday. I need a lot of energy for that. I'm like, okay, this is a coffee kind of a day and I'm going to go to Costco first. And then um, lazily meander through Whole Foods afterwards and probably get myself a special drink or something because 
Uh, that's like the treat at the end of all the grocery shopping like that. Yeah, that's how I do mine. And oh, I wanted to touch on food storage. And I'm curious if you have any tips because I get a lot of questions mm. about this. So another like way that I- food? Prepped yeah, food. like okay. another way I, I plan and prepare is, okay, if I've meal prepped, for example, which things need to be for, eaten first, I'll put those towards the front of the fridge and think about mm. that. Keep that in mind. Some foods build up histamines more than others. And so, and some people are sensitive to that. Some people need to freeze their bone broth really quickly if they're not going to get to it within like two days. We don't feel very sensitive to that. So we let our bone broth be in the fridge for, you know, five days or whatever. Um, but keeping that in mind can be really helpful. And um, I usually have a looser mindset around this than some people. I know my mom in particular she raised me to be very careful about this kind of stuff. And I'm sorry, mom, that I've let some of it go. But when I cook a meal, I will eat that meal exactly one week later if it's still there. I'm not going to throw it out until it's like eight days, usually, unless it's just off or bad or something. Yeah, you know, I'm a or... sniffer. I'm a sniffer. A I'm sniffer. Like, it smells good. It tastes good at a little taste. It's fine. And you can trust that. You know, like I really believe I can trust my senses yeah. to tell me if this is good or bad. And it does. So. I'm not too worried about that unless the meat was thawed too long and then cooked and sat in there. You know, like it just depends on the meal. Totally. Um, but generally, I think that's fine. And then anywhere beyond that, I think it's for the chickens. Yeah. So I would yeah. say typically we're we're not going more than three or four days, but that's not really out of, oh, this is not good. It's just like we might already have other things in the fridge <laughs> yeah. now or it's, you know, it's gone. If there's any left, it's probably not much. And typically, it's just gone by that point. Yeah. Um, and then I was, I was going to mention one more thing about the grocery shopping. We're definitely going to go over all, our allotted time, but I think it's fine as long as you're fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is that typically I just always have meat in the freezer, so I'm yeah. not buying meat per meal. I just buy like bulk organic chicken breast from Costco. I know it's not the best. I'm not getting them from the farm quite yet, although we might raise meat chickens this fall, but you know, I'm getting things in bulk. I'm getting bulk packs of grass-fed ground beef. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm freezing steaks. I'm freezing roasts. So I'm not typically, like, usually I buy a lot of, like, the meat, the wild-caught salmon and stuff from Costco when I'm there once a month. And then I just, you know, I, I get my, typically my beef and my steaks from Whole Foods or sometimes I'll get go to a farmer's market or something like that. Mm-hmm. We're very much the same. We freeze so much meat and you can keep it on stock. And we slaughtered a bunch of, well, it's not the way you say that. We harvested a lot of chickens last last summer-ish and or last fall. And we're still going through those. We had like, you know, 30, 40 birds frozen. And so, yeah, yeah. just having meat on hand is really helpful. Yeah, totally. I, I was at my very last, like I had no more groceries. That's the only reason I'm about to brave the stores today on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon. Literally the only reason I cannot feed anyone the next couple of days and I won't have another chance to go till Monday. It's just not going to happen. So I have to go today, but I had meat, I had ground beef and I'm just, I put everything that I had and I'm making a taco soup and it's great, you know? So, okay. So the next thing that we're going to talk about is a few of our favorite meals and snacks. I feel like we went over meals, probably like, I'll just say my go-tos are like, taco bowls if I have no idea what I'm gonna do with taco bowls a meat a rice or cauliflower rice uh onion cilantro sour cream or like make a sauce it's super simple hot sauce salsa that's just Mm -hmm. one of my easy go-tos if I haven't planned anything um 
or you know salads are easy if you have lettuce on hand it's really fast and easy to whip up a dressing and then some of my favorite snacks so I'm not we're not a huge snack family but the kids do eat snacks so and I keep it super simple I never prep or plan any snacks I do have like some packaged snacks for when we're out like I'll take RX bars or um, uh, that's it, little fruit bars, you know, kind of just easy things to throw into the bags, or I'll take nuts sometimes. Neither of them are huge fans of that. Um, but when we're home, typically snacks are like fruit, some type of vegetable. They love walking around with a giant carrot, a smoothie, although I see that more as a meal than a snack. Some like yogurt is an option, Greek yogurt, a couple slices of cheese, a few pieces of deli meat if I have it, like easy protein usually stuff or if they're having fruit like I'll try to give them a, a protein too mm-hmm. um so yeah I'm not I don't I'm not like making I think that's all another reason like people are a lot of times asking me like, how I have the time to make all like the meals that I make from scratch people ask me that and to be completely honest it's because I'm only doing it once a day I mean I make breakfast from scratch every day I make eggs sausage bacon whatever fruit like we put fruit that's super fast like that takes me 15 minutes really to make that all from scratch um and then I just make like I own I'm not making three meals really a day like I'm making two and then usually for our I'll talk about my my how I eat but typically for that last meal I'm making a protein smoothie so I'm only focusing on you know, doing something different and something longer. And often it's also really fast for that main meal of the day. And I'm not spending a lot of time on, on snacks or like other things like that. Those are all quick for me. Um, and then, yeah, if, you know, the kids want to have dinner like after, after the smoothie, typically they're pretty happy with the smoothie, but then that's when I pull out some of the snacks or I have leftovers from the day before. Like there's always options there, but I'm not spending so many hours a day cooking and that's totally fine. Some people totally love to do that. But for me right now, like doing two of my main meals a day, like that wouldn't really be feasible. So doing one is, is kind of perfect for me. Do you have any snack or meal ideas you want to share? My quick ones are just burgers all the time. We never get sick of a burger. And so I always Mm -hmm. have ground beef on hand. I usually have some sort of sourdough on hand. Easy peasy. I always have romaine, onions, ketchup. (laughs) Yep, easy done so good too. you can throw some sweet potato fries with it if you want or a salad or whatever easy yeah. or nothing or I think ramen's really easy to throw together mm-hmm. anything with just like uh bone broth being thawed that's one of my easy things that I like to do is you can just throw a ramen together with those organic rice noodles that they sell in bulk now at Costco or you can make a fried rice really easily with bone broth cook it in bone broth heat some beef up or some chicken and veggies if you have any you can just throw whatever veggies in there super easy and quick yeah. and the snacks our snacks are just like milk <laughs> get a glass yeah, of milk well, that's another one I'm like you here's a cup of raw milk for you yeah yeah it's a cup of raw milk or some sort of like yolky latte drink mm-hmm. um we have slices of cheese sometimes like a slice of Kerrygold and an apple that's really yummy for me um uh, fruit and yogurt we eat a lot of yogurt yeah do you take the kids with you to grocery shop? Yeah. Mm. Tell them. Yeah, so tell we're them many driving tips. into the city. We're going to two grocery stores. <laughs> I'm going to need to get them outside. Like I mm-hmm. need to go somewhere first, but I'm not going to brave one of my favorite pools on a Saturday afternoon. It's not going to happen. So I don't know what I'm going to do prior, but yeah, it's me and the kids. It's just mm. me and the kids. So 
it's it's fun but it's definitely not leisurely it's Mm -hmm. like we are in we are out as fast as we can (laughs) but it's fun it's actually it's pretty fun now at their ages one and a half and four it's it was crazy when it was two and a half and a baby like that was come that was a different um scenario I can imagine (laughs) yeah and it's just the honestly it's not so much the grocery shop if if we live five minutes away it'd be it would feel really easy it's like 35 minutes to get there 35 minutes back you know it is what it is this is the life I chose I'm happy with it okay staying inspired just yeah I mean for me it's like I really I like to look through blogs I like to watch videos if I'm feeling like I need some new ideas just I just get new ideas yeah. And I can totally get into a food rut. I totally was in one about a month ago. Then I inspired myself by reading. I really, right now I've been really liking ha- uh, Half-Baked Harvest. Mm-hmm. Do you know her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I followed her for a long time, but I've never really like made her recipes and I've been really liking them and it's fun. And I love Lisa from Farmhouse on Boone, although most of those things are not things that I'm like, she's heavy into the starchy foods, which is what I was I was really doing a lot of her style recipes before my all my blood glucose things. Blood glucose. <laughs> yeah, we've been poking our fingers a lot lately, haven't we? Trying to figure that out. Oh yeah. Um yeah, I'm the same. Cookbooks. I love to have cookbooks in my kitchen. That's really a big source of inspiration inspiration. Wow, for me. I'll go and thrift new cookbooks or um order brand new ones, whatever it is. But I love to rotate through those and man what's the name of my favorite right now I'm forgetting um but anyway I can I always share about them so yeah I'll I'll keep y'all posted on good cookbooks and then blogs sometimes just Pinterest asking other friends you and I talked about food recently yeah um hospitality helps me stay inspired if I'm Mm -hmm. in a rut and I have people over I'm gonna want to make something special and usually that fun in the kitchen will kick me out of my rut yeah. And then something that keeps me inspired, but is also just really practical. And I try to keep to this and do it once a week, but I, I'm not like strict with myself. If there's a season where it doesn't happen for months, that's fine. Is make one meal for me, the same meal, make another batch for a friend or family, and then one for the freezer. I think that's a really good rule of thumb to get yourself ahead, to make sure you're practicing hospitality and community, blessing other people and blessing yourself in the future. That's one a really for good me. One. One I like for that you. a lot. One for the freezer. Yeah. Of... I love that. Um, and then we've kind of touched on this. We talked about it all the time, the ways things change through the seasons. Like in the summer, spring and summer, I'm eating way more produce. In the winter, I'm eating way more warm food, maybe less like leafy greens. I think also seasons of life, like I might be eating a lot lighter and doing more fasting and stuff if I'm, you know not early postpartum or pregnant and then I'm going to be probably focusing a lot more on like heavy more dense nutrients when I'm you know trying to conceive or pregnant or early postpartum you know it's just like things change and and just the style of foods that we're eating this the the way that I'm either meal planning or not or how many meals I'm making today like these things are constantly in flux for me and that's why it's honestly this probably this podcast probably needs to be recreated like every season because things are just going to change so much Mm -hmm. but um yeah I think you probably feel similarly oh yeah I mean I think when we first did the episode on food I was eating animal-based for real for real yeah (laughs) and yeah it's it's already changed so much and we learned so much about our bodies and what they're needing because our body's in a constant state of flux like you said yeah I'm in preconception right now and that's going to look different than 
I don't know. It's going to look the same as postpartum probably. <laughs> Just about. And then like a year postpartum. Yeah, like, yeah. Two years yeah. or whatever. Totally. <laughs> Okay, and then I got a question yesterday about intermittent fasting, and I just wanted to touch on that pretty – Not, I could do a whole episode on it, I guess, if people are really interested, but I'm going to keep it short. So I started intermittent fasting last November, so my daughter was 10 months old. I, I mean, it's controversial, but honestly, I started it because I wanted to lose weight. I was heavier than I was, um, like, when I gave birth, so – like right after I gave birth, not like at my peak pregnant, but like right after I gave birth. And then I had gained weight, um, you know, 10 months after. And I was like, Oh, interesting. And I was eating pretty like pro metabolic. I was eating early in the morning and then late at night. I wasn't, I was eating organic, but like lots of carbs and all the things. And that's not to say that some people can't handle a higher carb diet. I think it's just my personal body is just wasn't doing well on it. So I wanted to lose weight and I wanted to have more sustained energy because I was just feeling like I was crashing and crashing. And my dad has had issues with blood sugar. So I kind of knew I had some idea that it might be an insulin resistance thing. So anyways, I started fasting and I was, I was, and still am. I do a 16 hour fast an eight hour eating window. Um, I, at first I was doing between a six and an eight hour, um, eating window. And typically for me, that's my eating window is nine to five and that works really well. I know most people that I know do more like 12 to eight or 11 to seven or something like that, where they're eating kind of like with lunch and dinner, but I'm really eating like breakfast and then a late lunch. I just feel better when I eat breakfast. I don't like fasting for a long time in the morning and it works really well for us because uh, my husband works evenings. So we're eating, you know, breakfast as a family. We're eating our dinner, lunch, dinner around, you know, it, it really varies. One to three is pretty typical um, together as a family. And then he goes to work. So then it's not, I, I feel like that schedule could be a lot harder for people that have, you know, a family dinner every night. I don't really know if I would be doing the same thing in like in the same time if that was my case because I do feel like eating as a family is really great we just get to have that earlier in the day and I know that's not true for a lot of people so maybe I would just fast later in the day I'm not totally sure but yeah people were asking how that looks and someone asked if um the kids ever asked why I'm not eating no because typically or if I if I put it around when the kids are awake and um yeah I do so so typically like when if the kids wake up at 6 30 let's say they might want something small before we eat our breakfast at nine. Um, so I'll give them maybe like a piece of toast with peanut butter and honey or something, you know, just like something, whatever, piece of fruit, piece of cheese, all the things, all the snacks I told you. Then we have our, our family meal at nine. Then Trevor and I have a, usually a matcha latte, which has a bunch of raw milk and cream and all the things, all the delicious things. And then um, typically, yeah, we'll eat our dinner around, you know, between one and three typically two and three, I'd say is more common. And then I also have a couple other like supplement drinks during that time, which kind of serve as my snacks. And then the kids might have some snacks mixed in there potentially, especially if we're out. They, I feel like they tend to snack so much more when we're out of the house. Then if we're home, um, usually the kids and I will have a smoothie, a protein smoothie. So I put like protein powder, berries, banana, um, greek yogurt all the things like a bunch of good things in so this is this is not just like 
berries and orange juice. Like this is a protein packed meal. It's and it's like fairly heavy and and large for all of us. And I usually do that before my our when my window closes. So around like four four thirty, and then that's it. And then I'm done for the day. And um, the kids will usually have a snack, or sometimes they'll have leftovers from another meal sometimes they'll have an egg muffin kind of depends how hungry they are how much they ate throughout the rest of the day sometimes they'll just have a glass of milk you know um around and they go to they go to bed early they go to bed at seven so it's not like there's this huge gap between 4 30 and often they're still drinking their smoothies way after I'm done <laughs> so they still have their smoothies at 5 36 um so that has worked really seamlessly for us there's never really a time when they're like, oh, mommy, why aren't you eating? I know our, that situation is kind of unique because of Trevor's work schedule being different, but that's just how it's worked mm -hmm. for me. And and yeah, I, I did lose a lot of weight and I do feel way more sustained in my energy. Um, and my one of my main things that I've noticed is that I just don't wake up bloated. Like I would always wake up with my stomach just not being flat. Like now every morning my stomach is flat when I wake up, which has been, and my digestion has been way better. So that's kind of like my story with it. I know that people would ask you a few questions, so I'll do it. Okay. Yeah. So when do you go to bed? I, <laughs> it depends, but anytime between after reality, nine and 11. After reality. Okay. So you're awake before bed for like a good amount of time without food. Do you feel like mm -hmm. you're going to bed hungry at that point? No, never. Actually, I, um, for the first probably month, I did. Yeah. The first month I was like, where is my nightly glass of milk? I was like yeah. dying. Um, and I never feel like that anymore. Actually, I told Evan I was eating sourdough bread last week and I was just like craving the bread before bed. But anytime I'd be like, oh, I could like, if I'm really hungry right now, like I can go eat something, but like not the bread, like I'm going to go eat something protein. And then I'm like, I don't want it. It's like, yeah, it's, it's just a craving. <laughs> right. And if I, if I want something, like if I'm having a little um like if I want a drink or something I'll just make an electrolyte drink for myself um before bed that's not that like, usually that helps that can be part of a fast but yeah I never go to bed hungry and I think but that I had to learn that because when when I first started fasting I think also I was under eating during my window or sometimes I would just like forget to have a smoothie or a final meal at around four mm. and I would eat my last meal at like one or two and then I would feel so bad and then I would take my blood sugar the next morning and it's really low um, mm -hmm. and that's not good. So yeah. my, I would say my biggest tip for intermittent fasting is okay. Two things. If you want to do it, you need to be consistent for a long while before expecting to see results before expecting to see weight loss and before expecting to feel good, like to feel not hungry while you're fasting, because that, that was true for me. Um, and what was the other thing? Oh, would, would be to eat enough in your window. Because I was going to ask you're not, you're not, yeah. not a deficit, right? No, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I imagine if I'm losing weight, I'm, I'm, I was, I wasn't, I don't think I am now. Um, but there was never any intentional calorie restriction at all. And I would just eat till I was full. And then often like at the end, I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm not going to eat till tomorrow at nine. So like, let me think if I want to have one more thing. And I, and now I know how much I need to eat during the day in order to not feel hungry until you know, next mm -hmm. morning breakfast. So I just know I'm like, okay, well, did I eat my typical amount? Um, if not, I'm probably going to have a snack or if I forgot to make the smoothie, I'm going to have it. And I will say like, I was really strict on it for the first started in November, 
probably like the first six or eight months or something I was really strict about it and now it's like if we go out you know to dinner it's I mean and and being really strict I was probably still having one night a month where I wasn't doing it but now like family was in town I don't I don't I didn't consciously fast any of those days Mm -hmm. I went out I ate um but I'm not trying to lose weight now I'm yeah that would that's not my goal anymore um so just looser oh So you've been doing that for a while, but before you started doing IF, you did a lot of testing, didn't you? And hasn't this helped with your blood sugar? So I actually didn't do the testing until I was already like six months or something into intermittent fasting. Yeah. So I started intermittent fasting in November and then I think I did the testing in March, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, And... Yeah, my my blood sugar was like just my A1C, if you guys know what I'm talking about, was just below like 0.1 below pre-diabetic. I would love to see. I I really wish I would have done it before I started because I really I really personally think that I would have been in the pre-diabetic range um just because of everything I've read about how intermittent fasting affects your blood sugar even if you're not watching carbs because I was not watching carbs when I first started intermittent fasting. So I didn't start being aware of my blood sugar, taking my blood glucose and really diving into the glucose end of things until I got those test results. Um, I was eating basically pro-metabolic still, like a lot of carbohydrates, like tons of maple syrup or not tons, but like maple syrup in my, what I now think is tons, but I would not have thought was tons then, (laughs) you know, maple syrup in my, my lattes, just, you know, not watching it. Um, Toast your breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. Like just whatever, whatever, you know? And, um, so yeah, so I really wish I would have had those numbers before to see how just intermittent fasting alone affected my A1C before I started paying attention to the actual carbs. Um, but what I have seen is that I started taking my, my blood sugar with a home, uh, blood glucose meter right after I got those results. And yeah, I mean, numbers are pretty shocking. Evan knows all about it, but basically what the A1C told me is that I was spending a lot of time in those higher ranges of blood sugar uh, over the past three months because that's kind of what A1C tells you. Mm -hmm. So even though I was just eating whole foods, I was not eating any white sugar at all. Like, I mean, maybe once a month, maybe Mm -hmm. I'd go and have an ice cream, you know, like very rarely I was eating whole unprocessed carbs. Um, The only real like direct sugar that I would even have would be the maple syrup. Everything else is just in the form of, you know, potatoes and starches. And still I was being super protein focused. So anyways, this isn't to say that this is everyone. This is just my particular circumstance. But I, yeah, I mean, it was immediate pretty much that I saw a difference in my blood glucose levels and my energy once I started paying attention. So it was kind of a combo of the intermittent fasting and watching the the carbohydrates and the protein and everything ratios and all that. And this past week I was told I was not intermittent fasting and I was eating all the carbs. My family was here and Oh boy, I felt it. Like I I just told myself I'm like I'm going to enjoy it. Like it's totally it's not going to be a big deal. I didn't think I would feel it as much as I did actually. And um I'm back. I'm getting back on track now, but I mean it affected my blood glucose for a few days actually after they left. Even today when I woke up, I was tested. Yeah, I tested this morning. I was way higher. Really? That's yeah. so funny how it lasts days, of, you know. Yeah, I think it can last a couple of days. Like the effect can last a couple of days after. So yeah, now I'm back on 
on my my gigs but um yeah that's yeah and and it's pretty cool to see it with the blood glucose meter because I can I can totally tell when I'm when I'm low when I'm high I know I know all the things and I could feel it and now seeing it like verified as a number is really interesting and seeing like what specific things affect me and don't okay yeah one second yeah. Go ahead. And and something that comes into play is, you know, Lauren saying, well, this doesn't necessarily apply to everybody. Uh, we're kind of of the mind that your bloodline has something to do with it. You know, she comes from Scandinavian bloodlines, basically, and they probably weren't eating a bunch of sugar and carbs. And yet it lasting for days speaks to how long your body processes sugar. It must take so long to get out. I know it's, it is really interesting. And yeah, getting that fasting glucose even high, you know, yeah. when I've been fasting for 16 hours or something and it's still high. And usually, yeah. And usually I'm not someone who has a high fasting glucose. Some people just do. And that's not typical for me, which is cool because I know my numbers now. Like I know it's normal for me. And I did also notice that if I wasn't eating enough, um, during my fasting window, then my blood glucose would be low in the morning. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't feel good either. So it's not about trying to make it as low as possible. It's like, there's this optimal range. Um, and I'm reading a really good book right now called real food for pregnancy. And she talks a lot about how like your blood glucose, um, during pregnancy affects like your baby's risk of a bunch of things like diabetes and stuff, even at a healthy weight throughout the rest of their life. So you're basically priming your baby to have blood glucose issues. If you're having all these spikes in pregnancy, which is nuts. And also like a little scary because a lot of times in the first trimester, like I can't eat anything except (laughs) bread. So I'm like, um, what am I going to do? Um, but no, uh, it, it's it's really cool and interesting to learn about, especially not being pregnant. I like that I'm learning it right now because I'm not, I don't have this like attachment to it and I don't feel guilt and all these things. I'm just taking it as like a- You're Integrating it, yeah. Bird's point of view, totally. Totally. And I've been thinking that I'm having blood sugar issues because I'm having just, yeah, trying to solve the health mystery puzzle and uh, Lauren and I are talking and I had just been thinking about it myself and- uh, I got a monitor and started testing myself and I tested my A1C and it was actually pretty great. Like it was good. Um, I didn't really have any concern about the number that, <laughs> that showed up. And so now I'm in this confusing state because I had just started intermittent fasting. Um, I'm working with a practitioner, the same practitioner as Lauren actually. And I was asking her if I should be doing that. And she, I think she said no. And <laughs> and we're starting to think, you know, that maybe I'm having a high cortisol issue and it's not so much insulin resistance or like maybe there's potential for that and it's beginning, but it's not really the issue I'm having. And so now after we get off this, Lauren, sometime today, if you have time, I want to talk about that. Like, I know, you know, you know, you were interested in your cortisol levels as well. And I'm hearing such mixed messages when I do research about whether you should entertain that as a possibility, um, intermittent fasting while you're dealing with high cortisol. And so now that I've knocked the insulin out of the picture and I don't really feel concerned about that, I mean, I'm just, I think monitoring your blood sugar and having a healthy balance in your meals is important anyway. So I'm still aiming to do more of that, but now that that's out of the way, I'm thinking it's more cortisol issue. And yeah, I'm just curious, like, I guess I could test before doing it and do it for a while and do it out and then test after, but, uh, I feel I don't want to make it worse. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I I don't I feel like I don't have a lot 
uh, I can't like pull from research or and I don't like to speak on things that I don't know about but intuitively I would guess that like different people would have different mm-hmm. reactions to that like maybe for some people having and I also think like it's probably really depends on the length of your fast like you know maybe going a few days is different or maybe not eating in the morning could be different versus just waiting until oh, yeah. You know, so I think I think it has a lot of variation. I also heard um, about another book that I want to read. It's called Fast Like a Girl. And that's super interesting to me because it pulls a lot of research about women and how it affects our hormones. And because, yeah, a lot of this is geared towards male bodies, which is, you know, all the research applicable. Yeah, it's applicable. It's not the same. So I thought that was super helpful. And that's all about like balancing hormones. And um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know about. And yet, yeah, I, I had high cortisol. I'm just giving you guys all my health and, and um, I just don't want to say information. that information. <laughs> no, but 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 what's interesting to me is that I had been eating pro metabolic for four years. Yeah. <laughs> and not fasting at all, literally waking uh, yeah. waking up, eating, and then eating right before bed. So clearly that wasn't solving my cortisol and, problem. Yeah. Oh sorry, I was just gonna say, and I just want to vouch for you that like you also live a pretty balanced lifestyle compared to most people you are always at the springs. You're always in the sun. You're always laying on the ground with your children and playing with them. Like you don't have some stressful career you're managing. You Mm -hmm. have raising children, which is a lot of stress and sometimes, you know, all that, but it's not like, um, you're sacrificing, uh, the way you feel for like, you're not like, Oh, I feel horrible today. And it's the first day of my period. I'm going to go into work. It's not like you can kind of make your life suit your health needs a little bit and you do that really well. And so, yeah, you just went through this whole mold story and moving yeah. and all that, but that alone, you know, it, it shouldn't be enough to spike your cortisol that much. And I'm almost wondering if your cortisol was that high because you're having such a blood sugar issue. Yeah. I wonder if that could be linked to, and maybe getting my, my blood sugar under control could make, you know, make sense. And yeah, the practitioner that Evan and I have been working with. Yeah. I, I came out of like a super stressful season worrying about my child like literally I would be up at night stressing about it so Mm. I I definitely think like that could have to do survival well yeah Yeah. totally like in fight or flight survival um so I'm curious to retest in you know six months or something and see where I'm at but I'm all I'm doing other things to support you know my adrenals and all the things as well um and if I genuinely like felt bad like I'm listening to my body too and it's like if I felt like I was fasting long enough that I was getting really jittery or having a lot of you know like stress symptoms I think that would that would tip me off and I wouldn't be doing it so yeah I think I mean it's just so much trial and error you know I think it's gonna forever be like that and I I don't think I'll ever be so dogmatic about something ever again like I was with veganism where it's like I'm going to be intermittent fasting for the rest of my life. I'm going to be doing lower carb for the rest of my life. Like, it's not like that. It's like, I'm trying this out right now. It's working. I'm feeling really good. I have no idea how I'm going to be eating at this time next year. I'm really open to continuing to like learn more, you know? And I love, I love learning about this stuff. I was just thinking about, we went down the David Sinclair rabbit hole. Lauren brought me down and him talking about, you know, it's very individual. And I, I spoke while you stepped away earlier about how, where we came from matters, you know, like yeah. some people, they spike more to grapes. They have a, sh- a blood sugar spike to grapes more than any other food. Yeah. Some people spike to rice really strongly. Some people cannot handle sweet potatoes. Yeah. It's just, it's super individual. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when a blood glucose monitor, I think is an invaluable tool because even if you're not having insulin resistance or you're pre-diabetic or anything like that, 
it's still it's not, no good it's not good for your body to have these glucose spikes. So being able to actually like visibly see, like for me, there's nothing like maple syrup. Maple syrup is the number oh. one thing. It sends me just like off the chart. I can't even like, oh. it's, it's so much more than anything else I've eaten. Um, which is just helpful to know because I actually feel a more physical response when I have potatoes and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, the research is pretty clear on how bad having all those spikes is for you. And yeah, yeah. David Sinclair is a really helpful resource. And I, I also guys. really like listening to people on both sides of the aisle, like on the animal based, on the vegetarian, like I like hearing it all. And I don't feel attacked by any of it now because I have no attachment. <laughs> it's yeah. so nice. It's great. Yeah. You're just doing what feels good. Yeah. And I can, yeah, as your, you know, best friend, I, I see you feeling great. Yeah. 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 It just seems like it's working for you really well. And I want it to work for me and I'm trying to figure out what I need to do next. But another great resource if you're interested in just learning a bit more about how your body might be processing certain foods. And this is not, you know, it's not based on your body's data, but it's pretty generally true is like the glucose goddess on Instagram. You can go, you know, meander through her posts and she talks and shows the differences with charts all the time about, you know, if you eat this food alone versus if you eat this food with another food, here is an example of a spike pattern. Yeah. And I think I was hoping that that, and, and something I've really liked with the real food for pregnancy is she, I would say she's pretty aligned with the glucose goddess. And then also is like, there's also people that need a lot less carbs in general. Yeah. There's also people that can handle a lot more carbs. So I think I just, I'm just on the outlier. Like I'm yeah. just on that side, which kind of sucks because I really like carbs, but oh. <laughs> it's okay. I feel really good. And that's, what's like most important to me. And I yeah. totally still enjoy all my food. And yeah, I think Evan and I, you know, we're on our health journeys. We're figuring it out. We're learning and we're just sharing what we're learning and what's working for us. We can't, yeah. te- can't tell you it's going to work for you, but I think it's helpful for me. It's helpful to like, listen to other people's stories and be see maybe similarities and then apply some of it and leave what I don't want yeah I want to read that book you brought up because all the research on this you generally is on men and they just have it's not that they're you know so wildly different um and just I mean they're humans but they have completely different hormonal cascades you know right we're a month-long cycle where they're like the day they're just a 24-hour cycle so good to know yeah I love this. Yeah, I know. It's fun. We can talk more about it. Should we do high-low buffalo? Let's do it. Can we feel wrapped up? Okay. Yeah, I feel good. Okay, I'll do mine and then you do yours. Okay, my high was just cleaning the house a lot this week. I mean, this house has been <laughs> in such a state of disaster that I would not want to show you um, prior to the last like 48 hours of me just going on a cleaning frenzy, staying up late doing laundry while watching a movie and um, waking up and doing it and all this stuff. Anyway, I just, I've been working really hard this week all day. And so I didn't really have the time for it, but I'm, I made it happen anyway. And I'm so grateful because uh, it, it feels so much better. It's just so good. Um, anyway, awesome. and then, yeah, my low, it's not really a low. I don't have anything to complain about majorly, but um, we're having to separate the dogs right now and they're you know, just they're like soulmate dogs and that's kind of hard. They they see each other in passing, but Bear is just, I guess he's fully come into puberty because he's losing his mind. She's on heat and he's just driving her nuts and driving himself nuts. <laughs> and uh, I've never seen him. Act- I'm like, I keep talking to him and looking him in the eye. He's really 
go to eye contact and just be like, you're gonna, you're gonna be okay, buddy. You're gonna make it through this. I know you think you're insane and you wonder what's going on, but it's gonna be okay. And so I don't know how much longer we're gonna do that. Um, probably when he stops going insane. We've been trying to track her cycle, but it's been a bit confusing. We're still getting the hang of it with dog signs versus human signs. And then uh, the buffalo is just that in the middle of recording, I looked over and saw that my husband at some point put a chicken in the living room. It's like right next to me. And I didn't know the whole time we were recording that there's a sick chicken right there. Something's going on with its eyes. So we're going to look at her eyes after I get off and probably spray them with some medicine and look it up. Um, but she's clucking away over there. So, yeah. Uh, mine is just all three wrapped in one. Ooh, it's my high, my low, and my buffalo. <laughs> is it your blood sugar? Yeah. This is a riddle. <laughs> oh my gosh, I should have made it that. That would have been funny. No, it's just uh, family was in town. We hung out. We did all the fun things. Family left. It's always kind of like that for me and the kids where – it's like so nice to have people here and our whole schedule changes and everything is different and exciting and fun. And the kids just, I mean, the kids just love it. Like they're so happy and just like in their continuum when they have this, like all this family around and they love it so much. And it's just always a bit of a low when people leave, you know, it's, it's like, it's hard for them. It's hard for me. It's hard for me to see them be upset about it, you know? And then this like kind of recalibration back into our normal you know what I mean and mm. I think it's just like put on steroids when they're when the kids are involved but it's it's always worth it I mean I love that they're getting all these wonderful memories with grandparents even though we don't live near them like that's so important to me and going out there and having them come and all the things it's always just like a little bittersweet when people leave because it's such a nice trip and I'm like you guys should move out here <laughs> <laughs> um and then we we booked another uh we booked a trip to go see my dad and my stepmom up at their place which we've never been to yet so that'll be fun something to look forward to next month yeah oh actually I guess in a month and a half yeah, yeah. so much fun yeah it's, it's so funny we're gonna leave it like the exact same time I know we probably shouldn't tell the whole world when that is but <laughs> we'll have some fun episodes prepped for that time yeah okay I'm gonna close this out in prayer heavenly father we thank you today for these bodies that are working so hard to keep us alive and healthy and breathing and functioning we ask that you would help us to stay present with them and not take them for granted that we would be thankful for each day that we wake up that we would turn to you and thanks for having woken up again and um, we pray that you would have your hand on the way that we nourish our families and our friends and that we would remember to offer what we have to share with our community um, that we would be guided by you in all of our health decisions and put you first there and not make idols of food or supplements or health strategies and that we would use prayer before we lean too heavily on any of those things, Lord. We thank you for this time together and for this podcast. We ask that you would bring value to the people who are listening and that we could start to get to know some of them too. And yeah, we just want to be closer to you, God. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Beautiful, Evan. Thank you. Thank you. This is great. This is fun. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, guys. Bye. Have a great week.
Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope that it's brought value into your lives. For a minute here, I'm going to share about some things that have brought value into our lives. We've chosen just a couple of sponsors this season, and these are companies that we trust, that we use in our daily lives, and that we feel confident about bringing to you. The first company is Purity Coffee. Now, I love this coffee, and there are a couple of things that set it apart. The first is how they test their coffee for mold. As many of us know, as coffee is processed, it often molds, and so this is an important part of the process. If you listen to the podcast, you know that Lauren and I have both gone through extensive journeys with mold, and so because this is a staple for my family, it's very important that when I sit down for a cup of coffee, I know it's not a steaming hot cup of mold. I've never found another coffee company that's more forthcoming or honest about this process. The second thing is the taste. Their beans are not over-roasted, which I find to be super rare. They retain their flavor and complexity, and I just really appreciate that. It makes it a really enjoyable part of my day.